Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. We are talking about exercising self-control. It is probably one of the most difficult things that you can do. And uh, it's probably going to take you a lot longer than how I'm, you know, the length of time I'm going to be preaching it to get it right. Probably going to take the rest of your life to get this right. You know, just because I preach it, you know, this week and we're done, doesn't mean you're done. It just means there's a place you can go to get all this information to help you to get it done. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. James chapter 1. We are looking at verses 19, 20, and hopefully 21 today. Let me read verses 19 and 20 to begin with. The Apostle James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, every woman, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I wish I could read that over and over again. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Do I need to say it again? (laughs) One more time. So, my beloved brethren. And he's saying, my beloved brethren, look, I love you. And because I love you, I'm telling you, this will help you. This will save you a lot of grief. He says, beloved brethren, let every man, every, this, is not, this isn't with any exceptions, this is everybody. Without exception, he says, let every man and woman be swift to hear and slow to speak. You know, we really need to listen. This is one of the things that I believe if the body of Christ just got this down. If we just learn to listen. Do you know it is one of the keys to sharing your faith? Ooh. Sunday, we're interested. No. (laughs) You know, because a lot of people, and I've been sort of watching a few videos because I'm I'm doing this new course that's coming up. Boy, it's going to be split up in all sorts of things. Partly it'll be in church, partly in Bible college, and I don't know what all else is going to come. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I was online listening to some of the things that were being said, and uh, we were, they were talking about, you know, ministering to different people or sharing their faith. And, boy, you know, there's the, the, there's the house on fire version that, you know, you, you just get in there and you just tell people. And, you know, this lady was trying to be nice and this guy was making her feel really bad that, well, if their house was on fire, would you just say, oh, well, that's okay if you don't, you know, and just putting pressure on this poor little girl, you know, as she was trying to minister and she was trying to share her faith. And I'm sitting there thinking, ugh, people did that with me. And I want to slap them. I was a Christian and everything already, you know? But the way people come across, the way they try to force things on you, that's not right. Do you know when the Apostle James says, be swift to hear, he's saying, listen, dude, don't be so involved in what you want to say. You know, let me just throw up on you the gospel, (laughs) okay? And then if you get saved, you get saved. If you don't, you're going to hell. See you later. Bye. Wow. And they think when they get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think Jesus is going to slap him too. No, I mean, you know, he won't, but (laughs) no, no, listen to me. Listen, it's, do you know God so loved the world? 
do you understand everything that God does comes from love? Which means everything that we do needs to come from love. We're not forcing issues. We are building relationships. When we are quick to hear, it means that we are listening. And we are looking for things to agree with before we can take them the next step. If you're in disagreement and you're fighting with people, it tells us here that the wrath of man does not produce righteousness. This is verse 20. See, we, we don't get all of this. You know? So I'm going to be talking to you on several levels today about what this is saying. And I need you to get this. Okay? Because, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm in the things I'm learning now. Hallelujah. And, you know, <laughs> in moving forward, one of the things that I need to share with you, because you'll only do what you know. And I can't hold you responsible for not doing something that I never taught you. And God didn't hold me responsible for things that I didn't teach you because I didn't know because nobody taught me. Yeah. Once I know I'm responsible. Amen. And I'm being responsible now. Because I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And so I want to share with you things as we, go, as we move forward to help you to understand what it is you're learning. Why, where can you apply this stuff? Not just in your own lives. And this is one of the things that I'm beginning to see more and more. We need to go beyond our own lives. We need to apply this to our lives. Of course we do. Of course we need to have self-control. Of course we need to be the best representative you know, of Jesus Christ that we can be on this earth. Amen? Amen. That's, that's the beginning. People need to see something about you they like to start with. But you also need to listen and see something in them that you like. You don't have to be like them to like them. Can I say it again? You don't have to be like them to like them. God hasn't called the church to become like the world. But he has called the church to love the world. You don't have to be like them to like them. We need to learn how to be separate from them and still love them. And be the answer to their problems, not become a problem with them. Hello. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of notes to get through. Okay. All right. All right. I, I pray that you're getting something out of this. Because we're, I want to move on to something today. I want to move on to verse 20. And I want to talk about the fact that for the wrath of man or woman does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, we talked about holding our tongue and all the, all the rest of it. We're going to get a little bit more today. But I want to move on from where we left off last week. In his, well, let's read verse 20. Uh, you know, we have to read verse 19, isn't it? Because it's the middle of a sentence there. All right, let, let, let me just find a place where I got both verses together which is there. All right, so again, the Apostle James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man and woman be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So we need to listen. We need to learn to listen before we talk, before we get mad. Amen? It says, For the wrath of man or woman 
does not produce, notice it does not produce the righteousness of God. It won't produce the righteousness of God. You know, we are the righteousness of God, but this kind of behavior doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Y'all know what I'm talking Okay, <laughs> all right, amen. All right, so let's go back. Douglas Shemu explains, James uses the phrase produce righteousness with the meaning it normally has in the Bible, do what God requires of his people. That's what it means. <laughs> James used the word righteousness in just this sense when he called his followers to exhibit a righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now let's quickly go to um, Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. You all know that. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20 from the New King James, he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of, of heaven. I know they were freaking out. <laughs> okay? Uh, not not uh, Matthew. He saw their hypocrisy, which is why he joined Jesus, because he saw somebody that was straight. Amen. He saw something pure about Jesus. He wasn't a hypocrite like all the other religious leaders he was looking at. Amen. I, I love Matthew. He had so much to say. Because when he found the right thing, he committed 100%. Yeah. But when he was ripping off people, he committed 100%. Right. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, whichever way this guy went, he committed you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Jesus said, be hot or cold, don't be lukewarm. Matthew was certainly, you know, both extremes. Hallelujah. Anyway, and thank God for him because we got the whole Sermon on the Mount because of him. Hmm. We got a short version with Luke, but Matthew gave us a whole version. All right. Of course, this is in light of what he says in Luke chapter 20, verses 46 and 47. This is from the NIV. It's where, where Jesus said, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Verse 47, again in Luke 20 and verse 47, he says, they devour widows' houses and for a show make uh, lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Now, we know that the punishment is going to come when they get cast into hell. Because remember, Jesus said in uh, John 8, 44, you are your father, the devil. You're doing what he's asking you to do. You're going to pay the penalty. Do you know the worst thing that can happen to a person is to get cast out of heaven? Because what's left is hell. <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? It's not a good place. So that's what he was talking about, just so you know. Now, getting back to our topic at hand, remember again that James says that the wrath of man or anger doesn't bring about the kind of righteous life that is required of us by God. Because it gives the devil a foothold in our life. And why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27, let's go there. This is from the New Living Translation. He says, and don't sin by letting your anger gain control over you. I want to read this slowly. Okay, he says, don't sin by letting your anger gain control over you. We have a choice. You know, we can get angry, we can decide not to. Okay, it, it, it comes back to you. 
What are you willing to do? All right, now notice he says, don't sin by letting your uh, anger gain control of you. So obviously there's anger there. Is it controlling you or are you controlling it? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Hey, look, I, I, this is where everybody put their hand up. We all deal with this stuff. Because this is, do you know, I've I said this before, I'll say it again. The enemy's job is to put distance between you and God. That's his job. If he can distance you from God, he'll distance you from the blessing. He'll distance you from life. He'll distance you from all the fruit of the spirit and the, all the things that make you the best you that you can be. He'll distance you from that so that you're behaving in ways and doing things and getting stuff that he, God didn't plan for you. Are you all with me? So, then, you know, and if, if you understand what I've just said, it will answer a lot of questions. I could go down a whole list of things where we sort of say, oh, but I'm doing a good thing over here. Yeah, but is it God? Hmm? Be careful the good things that get in the way of God. Be careful. Because the distance is starting to get more and more. And then suddenly you'll be doing things, behaving ways, saying things that you just go, where'd that come from? It's funny, the closer we are to God, the more we are influenced by Him. The further away from Him, the more other influences take over. All right. So he says again, don't sin by letting your anger gain control of you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So he's going, don't, don't carry this to the next day. All right, don't even carry it through the night. He says, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. I'm going to add these words to manipulate you. It gives the devil a foothold in your life in order to manipulate you. That's why he wants to gain a foothold, so he can manipulate you. And then, you know, the tempter is what? The accuser. And when you do the wrong thing, oh, how could you do that? You knew better. Meanwhile, on the front end, just go ahead, go on, just, you know, let it out. It's okay. On the back end, what? <laughs> you know, you do need to get this. He's a horrible being. Just horrible. Anyway. Arkin Hughes writes, we rationalize, rationalize our anger, calling it frankness or attributing it to up, our upbringing or the pressure we're under. You know, I can relate to this, okay? This is me talking to me. But anger, but anger like this is in fact sin, as we've just seen. Do you get this? It is literally sin. You know, sometimes we just think, well, we're just being truthful or, or you know, frank or whatever. But there is a... There's a verse that says, speak the truth in love. And if we can't do it in love, then we're going to keep a lid on it until we can do it in love. Are you all here? Amen? Now, just so we don't misunderstand what James is saying, you know, I'm a balanced teacher. I, I hope I am anyway. I pray that I am. Okay. Douglas J. Moore writes this. He says, does James intend to prohibit all anger of any kind? Even what we sometimes call righteous anger? Probably not. James falls into the wisdom genre at this point. So we can assume that James intends us to read this warning as a general truth that applies in most cases. Can I get an amen? Human anger is not usually pleasing to God, leading as it does to all kinds of sins. 
y'all get that. All right, moving on. Proverbs, Proverbs. That's why Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. I won't comment. As one translation puts it, you can recognize fools by the way they give full vent to their, to their rage and let their words fly. But the wise bite their tongues and hold back all they could say. I really like that. We just, just, we all get mad. Without exception. There's no saint here. If you've got a little thing over, just take it down now. All right? There are things that make us mad. All right? Because we're passionate about things. And there's some things that you just look and you just, <laughs> it riles you up. Pray over those things and say, Lord, I really want to say something here. What is it that I should say? Amen? Just ask him. Take a minute. See, one of the things that the devil does is he'll tell you, don't talk to God right now. You've got to get this out now. How many times have you heard that? If you don't say it now, you'll never say it. Can I just say this? Don't say it. You might never say it and nothing to regret. And if it needs to be said, it will keep coming up. I have learned that now. I've learned that that's the way the devil pushes. When he says, if not now, when? But there's a way that God leads. Are you all here? And even if the Lord says that to you in a positive way, it'll still be in a leading way, not in a pushing way. You know, when I got saved, that's what God said to me at one point. After he answered about six different questions I had, I suddenly had this feeling like if I don't do this now, I won't. Are you all here? Because you don't know what all the devil had planned to get me off track. The devil... <laughs> Satan uses things that God uses, except he uses it to destroy you. Are you all here? So it, it's not to say that God won't speak to you in certain ways, but it'll never be the way the devil speaks to you. The same words, but totally different. Amen? One will, be, one will lead and one will push. You always need to see when you're being pushed and when you're being led. I'll give that to you and move on. All right. <clears throat> it is a wise man or woman who knows that nothing is gained by getting angry and flying off the handle. <laughs> and why James says again in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, So then, my beloved brethren, he says again, let every man be swift to hear. And that's a woman as well. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And as a result of this, he goes on to say in verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Is this in the King James says, superfluity of naughtiness? Is that the one? Is that the one? I, is that, I, I, always, I always say that to the kids and they always giggle. <laughs> what, you know, I love the King James. Sometimes he comes up with these little phrases. Superfluity of naughtiness. You know? Anyway, anyway, that's why I pulled in New King James. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I want you to notice something here. He says, instead of all of this, this is what you should be receiving. He said, with meekness, the implanted word of God. He's saying, you need to lay aside all of this stuff. And we need to do that in order to receive the word. Right now, 
you might be examining yourself and you know, there might be things in your life that you're thinking, okay, God, just clean this out of my life. What you are doing right now is exactly what this, word is, what this verse is saying. You are, you're pushing all that aside and receiving the word. And you're saying, God, thank you. You know, whenever God corrects me, I thank him. Whenever now people correct me, I thank them. I used to be in a place where, how dare you? How could, I am being the pastor, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> when I first got saved, when we first started the church, I was like that, I'm sorry, okay, I'll tell you. I'm being honest, confessions of a pastor. I used to have enormous issues with anybody telling me that I did anything wrong. Because bless God, I want to do everything right. And then I learned, you know, the hair's getting white. It takes a while, but you learn. And then you, you know, then you get to the place where you're mellow. And you think, somebody says something, even with the wrong spirit, you ask yourself the question, was it right? You don't need to get mad. They might be mad telling you, but you need to just calmly think about it. Did they say something that you can change in your life, Roche? And I think, yeah. You're messing up there, dude. Change it. And then it becomes me to change. Not for me to tell them, how dare you say this? And your attitude was all wrong and blah, 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 blah. And on principle, I'm not doing it. You know, you know, the stuff we say. Just, just sweep it all out. Just forget about all that now. We have... A, verse, verse. And receive with meekness. With meekness, humility. Humbly. You hear something, say, okay, we'll change. Now, it might take a little while to change, and that person who told you off needs to have a bit of patience. And if they don't and they keep yelling at you, fair enough, whatever, just know that you're making an effort to change. It's not you rebelling against it. You're changing. You need a bit of time. And God will be okay with that. And you might slip up. And you first John 1, 9. But, <laughs> okay? But you realize you slipped up. You're no longer blindly doing things wrong. Okay. So in relation to verses 19 and 20, and the fact that Ephesians 4.27 said that anger gives a mighty a foothold to the devil, we now understand the extent of this foothold with R. Kent Hughes saying, it is important that we not miss what James is saying here. An unwillingness to listen as well as a sinful tongue, I really love the way he puts this, and an unrighteous anger are all moral evils. Can I, I need to say it again. An unwillingness to listen. A sinful tongue, I really like the way he puts that. And he says unrighteous anger. He didn't say righteous anger, he said unrighteous anger. He said are all moral evils. We need to see those things as evils. Amen. And added to this, Simon J. Kissimaka says that an uncontrolled tongue and an uncontrolled temper drives a man or woman deep into sin and far from God. See, this is what I was saying before. Therefore, a spiritual house cleaning is needed so that God's word, whether in written or spoken form, can enter a person's life. We need a house cleaning. You know, this is our house. You know when Jesus talks about building your house on the sand and building your house on the rock? He's talking about your life. 
He wasn't talking about a physical house. <laughs> He's talking about you as a house. What are you building your life on? What are you building your house on? Is it sand or is it a rock? Jesus is the rock. And he rolled my blues away. <laughs> Pastor Vader wrote the song. Okay. So <laughs> but you know, he is the rock. Hallelujah. And so we need to build a house on that rock. And one of the things that we need to do is, you know, we need to clear out our house, don't we? There are some things we just need to sweep off, get rid of, and know that 1 John 1.9 works on everything. You know, it's like a magic eraser. Have you got one of those things? You know, you can erase anything. And this eraser has 1 John 1.9 on it. And once you erase it, the devil can't find it. Only your memory has it, and the person that led you to do it knows about it. But your life is cleansed of it, and God has put your sin away as far as the east is from the west. You can never reach. You know, you can go north and south, but east and west you can never reach. Because every, wherever you go east, there's always a west, the other way. You will never get to a place where you go, now I'm west. I know we call it the west and the east. Just, okay, forget about that. As far as the compass, you know? Isn't that interesting? All right. That's what the Bible uses those phrases. Okay, back to this. <clears throat> As to how we are to do the spiritual house cleaning, that's brought, <clears throat> brought out in the way that the Apostle James says to lay aside all filthiness, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. To explain this, Douglas J. Moore says that the phrase lay aside connotes the idea of removing clothes and the Im imagery is applied to metaphorically in the New Testament to the stripping off of the pre-Christian lifestyle from the believer. You strip off all the things that were the past you. That person died. Amen? And we need to take those grave clothes off. Hello. Because they stink. Have you been around a dead body after a little while? Ooh, lordy. And that's what a lot of Christians are smelling like when they hang on to these things. Amen? We need to be sweet-smelling savers. Next, when James says that we had to lay aside all filthiness, that's exactly what he means. With Simon J. Kissamaka writing, James orders his readers to get rid of all moral filth that soils their souls. He wants them to put away internal filth and external evil. He commands them to get rid of any evil that prevails around them and influences them. Uh, I need to park on that a little bit, okay? He says he commands them to get rid of, get rid of any evil that prevails around them and influences them. Be careful what is influencing you, what is around you. Do you know Proverbs talks about, it talks about friendships, but there's something more than that. It's talking about who's in your ear. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Because what, what is in your ear is going to... See, that, that's why Proverbs uh, chapter 4 verses mm, 20 through 22, somewhere in there, talks about, you know, give attention to my words. You know, use your eyes, use your ears, because those are the gateways into your heart. And can I say this in the same way that the word of God can be put into your heart via those gateways, so can everything else. So be careful what you're letting through those gateways because they are affecting your heart. 
and either you have life coming out of your heart, and we're going to need this in time to come. You're going to realize that it's that heart. Jesus says, if you believe with your heart, mountains will begin to move. If you believe with your heart, people will begin to be healed. It's not your head, it's your heart that the devil is after and God is after. Amen? And so we need to make sure that nothing is getting into our heart that is going to compromise the power. We are going to learn how to move in the gifts. Oh, it is simple. I'm not doing it because I don't want to freak you out. I want to teach you first, then we'll start doing it. And then you'll have knowledge to go with what I'm doing. I'll give you some phrases that will unlock what's in there. Okay, you might think, oh, I've never done this. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't told you anything yet. Just, just hang, just hang. It's funny how God can give you a word that just unlocks something. And then you think, oh, let me, and then it works. Surprise, surprise. God watches over his word to perform it. <laughs> okay, and we need to be doing this, not like the Corinthians did which reminds me I need 1 Corinthians back. Uh, not like the Corinthians did. We need to do it almost like it's a natural thing that we just do as a part of who we are. And that's what I want this church to move into. That we're not getting all weird when we're giving a word. It didn't say give a weird word. Amen. <laughs> okay. It says just, you know, you have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You know why you don't have all of it? Because God has all of it. And you'll be God if you knew all of it. All you get is a word. And how you deliver that and, uh, okay, I'm trying to teach on that. No, we'll leave it. All right, back to this, back to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> in Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul gives the same instructions to the Colossians. When he says in verse 8, but now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouths. And added to this, even the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, he says, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Are you getting a theme running here? Amen. All right. The New Living Translation puts it so well when it translates this verse to read. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, 1 again, get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. Don't just pretend to be good. Ugh. We're good at pretending, aren't we? Some of us are champion actors. Do you act? No. <laughs> yeah, you do. Boy, I tell you people. <laughs> Never mind. All right. <laughs> they went to the drama school of life. Oh, they knew how to act when the parent came and said, did you spill this? No. Did you eat all the candy? No. It must have been the dog. He used his opposable <laughs> to unscrew the lid. <laughs> As if. <laughs> it's amazing how we just learn how to do this. And then we say, okay, come here and act. Oh, we can't do that. You just did. You just lied. And convincingly told me you can't act. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, all right, right, back to this. So, <laughs> he says, so get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. Don't just pretend to be good. He says, be done with hypocrisy and jealousy and backstabbing. 
Amen? These are things we need to put aside. Family, why am I sharing this with you right now? Because we're going to move into a place where if things work out the way I believe they're going to work out, we're going to get an influx of people and we are really going to have to watch how we speak to them. They're going to drive us up the wall because they're going to be baby Christians and they're going to just be in their nappies and they're going to get everything wrong. And, you know, you need to learn. And I'm going to, I will share enough with you so you can locate yourself. And so that you can also locate them and you can understand them and be the best that you can be for them in their situation and where they are. Amen? Knowing that they won't remain there forever, that they will progress because I will teach and I will share things that will help them to progress through the stages of growth. Hallelujah. So that's where the words patience and long-suffering and all those dirty words come in. Okay, <laughs> while we just hang in there, I always wonder, what, what do I need that for? You know, because I, I was there fighting and battling and I was one of those young men and women in the Lord that just takes down the enemy wherever he turns up, his little head turns up anyway and slap it and send it back down to hell. I had, you know, patience, what's that? Are those those people in hospitals? No, not that. <laughs> no, that's a different kind of patient. This is a different patience. This, and I, I was always to wonder, what is that for? As I, as I began to study all of these things now, I began to realize that as moms and dads in the faith, we have to have enormous patience and long-suffering with those that come into the kingdom. And they're getting it all wrong. And they're messing up everywhere. And, you know, every two seconds they have a problem. And all of that, and that's all a part of their growth. Have you noticed when you have a baby, you don't get any sleep? They eat and poop and poop and eat and eat and poop and cry. And eat and poop and poop and eat and cry. And you're going, dear God, when is this going to end? Rapture now. Now rapture. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's hard. And you know, spiritual... Babyhood and growth is the same. That's given as a picture of what's coming when those Christians, when those believers, with those new believers coming, come into the kingdom. They will drive everybody nuts. And you won't get much sleep. But they will grow up. Because I'll make sure they do. <laughs> okay? It depends on how much of this they get. How well they're listening. And don't expect him to grow up straight away. It took us a long time. Amen. And a lot of people putting up with a lot of stuff we did. And here we are. We need to at least give the same back. More on that when we get to it. Okay, okay. I so have to get through this. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Can, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't have a lot left. Well, I kind of do, but I don't want to carry it for next week. <laughs> I have something I want to share with you next week that's different, so let's just continue on and finish this. All right. <clears throat> so I've said here, um, let me reread this. Yeah, yeah, I've got to reread this. All right, so the reason that so many New Testament writers are saying the same thing is because putting off sin, oh, I didn't say this, have I? Putting off sin involves a fight against an adversary that takes on many different forms and attacks in many different ways. And very often you'll find that as soon as you 
<laughs> you're going to all put your hand up on this one. As soon as you knock one sin down, another rises to take its place. Hello. Because that's how the enemy operates. But greater is he that is in you. He's there for a reason. <laughs> okay? Than everything that's coming at you. And that's, again, First John 4, 4, right? And so once you do win this battle and have willfully and ruthlessly rejected and cast off like a garment all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, you are now ready to go on to the latter half of verse 21 where the Apostle James says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Amen? Firstly, the words meekness is better translated humility. Douglas J. Moo says, by adding the word humbly to the command, James reminds us that we need to be open and receptive to the work of the word in our heart. We need to be open and receptive to the work of the word in our heart. The, work, the word will start working on you. Remember, it's alive and it's powerful sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides your soul and your, your spirit and does things that nothing else does but you need to let it amen christians who have truly been born again demonstrate that the word has transformed them by their humble acceptance of that word as their authority and guide for life do I need to repeat that? You all get it? Okay. All right. All right. It's one of the things that by your behavior, Jesus put it simply when he said, you'll know them by their fruit. This is part of that fruit. Added to this, William MacDonald also makes a point. It's all too possible to read the Bible without letting it speak to us. We can study it in an academic way without being affected by it. Our pride and hardness and sin make us unreceptive and unresponsive. Only those with submissive, humble spirits can expect to derive the maximum benefit from the scriptures. You know, whenever you're learning, whenever you're reading, you know, none of us are without sin. None of us are without, you know, things in our life that we need to change. Amen? So that's why, you know, I always, I have enormous patience with you because I have to have, God has enormous patience with me. How can I not do that for you? Because I understand how difficult it is. To read something and go, ugh, no thanks, not today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Amen. You know, there's broccolis and stuff from the word. You know, just, and some people love that, you know, so hallelujah, good on you. Psalm 25 verse 9. <laughs> no, there's always one that will jump up. Uh, it says the humble. He says again that it is the humble that he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. Do you know why it takes the humble? Because they're the teachable ones. Amen? All right. Ne uh, next, as to the fact that the word is implanted in them, that's actually taken from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, where God says to his people, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You might say, yeah, that's Old Testament. Fine, go to the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. Now, let me give this to you. You know, so always somebody jumps up and says, it's Old Testament, it's for the Jews. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Galatians 3.28. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. For you are all one in Jesus. Verse 29. And if you are Christ's, you belong to him, okay? Then are you Abraham's seed. Old Testament seed. Amen. All the promises were to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's the first one. We didn't get Jacob, thank God. He was a deceiver. Okay, we got, <laughs> we got, we got Abraham. 
Amen. And he says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise? So everything you read in the Old Testament is for you. In Christ. That's what you got to get in Christ before you get it. Amen? All right. Returning to James 1.21, what's wonderful is that once the word is implanted in your heart, it becomes a permanent and inseparable part of you. When it becomes implanted in your heart. Amen? Where it becomes a part of you. Okay? A kind of guiding and commanding presence within you that ultimately results in a changed life and lifestyle for all to see. And the reason for this is uh, clear with Hebrews 4.12 saying, for the word of God is living and powerful. Remember that? Okay, all right. Returning to James 1.21, let's finish. He says again, the latter half of the words, he says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, first of all, with, the, with regard to the implanted word being able to save your souls, in his commentary, William MacDonald writes, the Bible is the instrument God uses in the new birth. It's the instrument, okay? He uses it in saving the soul, not only from the penalty of sin, but from its power as well. Now, we understand the Holy Spirit does the work, but it is the word that's the instrument that is used. He will use the word to change you. Amen? Added to this, last quote. Simon J. Kissimaki says that the word save has a much deeper meaning in scripture than we often give it. The verb to save implies not merely the salvation of the soul, but the restoration of life. Amen. Amen? That blessed me. It's not just to save you, it's to restore you. Restoration of life. For example, when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood, blood, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. To save then means to make a person whole and complete in every respect. That is what the word of God is able to do for the believer. The gospel is the power of God working in everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. It's not just a corrective word. It's the power of God working on the inside of you. Amen. We need supernatural power to get through this. And that's what the apostle Paul meant when he said in Romans 1.16 as we conclude, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. It is the power of God for everyone who believes. It's there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word and we thank you, Father, for all that we are learning. We thank you for the patience that you have with us as we grow in these things and especially with what is to come. I thank you, Father, that we listen to these messages, that we receive from this word over and over again, that you speak to us. Hallelujah. Even though I've finished this now, I thank you, Lord, that people revisit this as they need it over and over again through the week so that it becomes a part of them. Not just words spoken, but something that they live out in their life shine forth for your glory in Jesus name Amen